Thank you for listening to this sermon from Destination Church. We make all of our resources available because we hope that they have an enormous impact on your life and help you see how much you truly matter to Jesus and to our church. We love to hear stories about life change from every ministry in our church, and this is no exception. So if this ministry has impacted you in a big way, we encourage you to share your story with us by sending an email to hello at destinationchurch.cc. We would also encourage you to contribute financially to our vision. Find out how by going to destinationchurch.cc slash give. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. We you bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me this morning to our Heavenly Father? Father God, Lord, we thank you, God, that right now while we're in this garage, Lord, and we're in these fold-up chairs, and God, we've got fans blowing and doors open, and God, we're in an atmosphere, Lord, that doesn't feel like what we're used to when we call something church. Lord, we thank you that in a few weeks, God, we are going to be in an atmosphere, God. We're going to be in an atmosphere that feels closer to what it feels like to be and what we're used to and what we call church. God, we're going to have the sound system and the stage, and we're going to have the kids area and the impressions. And we're going to have everything, Lord, that we know to call church. And God, it'll be because you gave it to us. It'll be because you did all of this. But Lord, this morning, just like today, in two weeks, God, no matter what it seems like, everything is and always will be about you. Whether we meet in this garage this morning, God, whether we meet in a movie theater, whether we have a million dollar facility, God, whether there's 5,000 people in the room or 50 people in the room, everything is and always will be about you. And Christ, it's about what you did for us. We were wretched and we were sinners and God, we were on a road to destruction, but you interceded our lives You took the arrow of destruction away from us. You blocked it. And God, you took our sins and paid the price for us. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you did that for us this morning. So allow us now to receive from you what it is that you want us to receive. And allow us, God, to bless you and to praise you and to honor you today with our actions, with our thoughts, with our attitudes, and with everything else that takes place here today. Until we go our separate ways, we want to honor you and praise you. We thank you for everything that you do for us, in us, and through us. And it's by your name that we ask all of these things. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Kevin, thank you for playing for us this morning. All right, guys, thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate it. You know, um... It's the middle of the summer in July and everybody's going out of town and going on vacation and coming back. And when those people go on vacation, these people come back. And then when those people come back, those people go. And then Trey doesn't go anywhere. He just stays here all the time. He doesn't never. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. I didn't mean that I call you. No, but during the month of July, we see a bunch of people that they go through seasons of life. It's the summertime and they're taking off. Um, but I want you to know August is around the corner and when August comes back and everybody's going back to school and everybody's going back to college and everything, these guys are coming back and we're going to be in, we're going to go into the theater in a few, a uh, couple of weeks. And the great thing about being in the theater is, is we get to have church. We're going to do church services all the way through from beginning to end. So you don't have to just come and listen to me talk. You get to actually hear our awesome band that has been practicing for many moons now. 
<laughs> I think they were all a year younger the first time they started practicing for this service. Um, all of these guys, they have been preparing, and you're going to be able to hear them, and we're going to be able to worship the Lord together, and we're going to be able to have church the way that we are accustomed or used to having church. And the reason that we want to do that is because God is going to send people our way that need the life-saving power of Jesus Christ in their life. And he's going to use us and he's going to use those church services and he's going to use the atmosphere that's created and all of the details that are paid attention to. And he's going to use all of those things combined with our hearts and with our attitudes. And he is going to show people that they matter to him and that there's nothing that's going on in their life that he can't do something about. We're in a um, series called uh, DC at the Movies. And the reason that we're doing this series, doing a, we're doing a series where we take a movie that's coming out the the following Friday, like we today's message is going to be on a movie that's coming out this Friday. And we talk about that plot and how it compares to um, our lives in Christ and what the Bible teaches us about our walk with him. And the reason we're doing that is to celebrate that we're going to be moving into the theater. Um, but I just want to take five seconds before we get into this. And I just want to say thank you to Travis and Hillary Jackson. If it wasn't for these two guys right here opening up their homes and their heart. You know, um, one day when I'm on, you know, national scale and I'm preaching in Alaska and, you know, doing conferences and there's 20,000 people, no one's going to know that it birthed out of Travis and Hillary's house. And Travis is going to be standing around talking with his buddies. He's going to be like, yeah, that joker right there used to meet my garage. I know that guy right there you're talking about right there. And uh, they're going to go, that dork? You know that dork? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> they're not going to call me a dork. No. No, but I just want to say thank you to you guys. We really do appreciate opening up your home and opening up your garage. If it wasn't for you guys, we would not have had a place to come and to meet, and we would not be able to do what we do. So thank you guys very much for that. Well, my name is Ricky. Everybody knows me and my wife, Christy, and um, we say this at the beginning of every meeting. We're the lead pastors of Destination Church, and we are here because we love you and because people matter to us. That's the reason why we're planting this church. Um, we do not do church this way. This is a gathering so we can get together and we can figure out what we need to pay attention to and practice and rehearse so that we can be on our toes and ready to go on launch Sunday in September the 7th. Even when we go into the theater in August, if you come in August the 3rd and you're like, man, we don't look like we're ready to go. That's why we're going to the theater one month ahead of time. We want to be able to rehearse. That's why we're doing full-blown church services from beginning to end because there's nothing like experience for us to figure out and improve and learn what we need to do to be able to get ready. And we don't want to try to figure out how to do church right our first Sunday. We want to have a month to be able to do that. So um, because of that, we are practicing and we're gathering here and we've been evaluating and role playing and do all of those things. And I want you to know we got one more Sunday, one more Sunday here in the garage, and then we're going to start a brand new series in the theater in McDonough. So in two weeks, if it's August and it's a Sunday, don't show up to Travis and Hillary's house. Okay. They're not going to be here. They're going to be at the theater with us. Okay. You're not going to know the code to get in. The dogs will bite you. Nothing is going to be open. Don't come here. Okay. If, if you're like, man, where's everybody at? You messed up. Turn around and go to the theater, okay? No. So I just want to let you know, we're going to start a brand new series um, in August on that weekend. It's called Get Ready. And the reason that we're doing that series where, while we're in the theater is because you guys have been busting your rears to do everything that you can 
to get our church ready so that we can receive the people that God wants to send our way, okay? And every table you put up and every lesson you learn and everything that you do in role-playing and every chair you help set out, all of those are details that you have sacrificed and that you have put into. And because of those things, God is going to take all of those little bitty singular things and he's going to put them together. And because of that, he's going to bless our church by allowing us to be a part of somebody coming in and experiencing life change. We're going to do a message for you guys right now. We're going to do a series in August called Get Ready. But I don't want you to forget why we are doing this. Because there are people out there that will die and be apart from Jesus for eternity. Not the rest of their lives, through death and on into eternity after this life. And that has to be a realization for you and I. It is what pumps my blood. It is what gets me up in the morning. It's what makes me want to be a great husband and a great father. So that there is nothing that can distract me or as little as possible other than what I create to keep me from focusing on what God wants to happen. There are people that are going to walk into that church and they're going to show up in August. There are people that aren't waiting to September the 7th. And then there's people that's going to come September the 7th and you're going to know some of them and you ain't going to know some of them. And they're going to walk in the door and we are going to help them have an encounter with Christ. And he's going to do what none of us can get together with 500 other people and do. He's going to change their life. How do I know that? Because he changed yours and he changed mine. He changed all of ours. I had somebody that when I didn't give a crap about people, I had someone that gave a crap about me. And they showed me that I mattered. And because they showed me that matter, that inspired me and motivated me to go to church and to find out what it was like to belong to a church family. I didn't give a crap about Christ my first Sunday there. I didn't care about living for Jesus my first Sunday there. I wanted to go and hang out with other people that were my age. And we went to the um, Morrison's after church and um, we got to hang out and I had fun hanging out with people because I love being around people. And I was there for selfish reasons. Okay. But those people weren't, they were there for unselfish reasons. They were there for me because they cared about me. And through the weeks coming after that, they showed me that I mattered. And because they showed me that I mattered, I finally realized that I mattered to Jesus as well. And I dedicate, rededicated my life to him. And here I stand today. And if it wasn't for somebody showing me that I mattered, I wouldn't be here today. And neither would you. Okay? The reason that we grow in our walk with Christ is so that nothing can distract us from being used by God to show someone that they mean so much to Jesus that he gave up his life for them. So today... Now that I've said that, we're going to go into our message for the day. We've been talking about movies that have helped us grow in our relationship with Christ. And the reason is, is because if I can help you today to grow stronger and more mature in your spiritual walk with Christ, Christ can use you to help someone else. Okay? So the first week we talked about a movie called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And it was an us versus them mentality. And we talked about that that can creep up in the church sometimes. And that we can't have an us versus them mentality. We have to have a you are just like me and, and you need to come home to the family. And that's what we want. We want people to come back to the family of God so that he, they can live the very best possible life in him. Notice I didn't say the happiest life. 
the best life possible in him. And then last week we talked about this um, rated R movie, Disney Planes, Fire and Rescue. It was for bad language and nudity. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Planes, Fire and Rescue, the Disney movie, the second movie, the animated movie that came out. And the, that movie was all about second chances. And we talked about last week that only through suffering can we discover our second chance at life. And that suffering is something that the American church has told us to run from. That God is here to serve you and give you everything that you need. And he's here to answer all your requests. And that you shouldn't have to experience suffering. And if you're suffering or going through something challenging or stressful, then you just suck as a Christian. You're not a good believer. You, you got some sin in your life. And, and you're, you just need to get things straightened out. You need to pray more. And you need to read more. And that's not who Jesus is at all. In the good times and in the bad times, Jesus is Lord. He is sovereign. And we go through suffering to help us discover things about ourselves just as much as we go through good times. Do you got, my son asked me a question yesterday. This is what he said to me. He said, Daddy, why does God let us know what evil is? And I said, because without knowing what bad is, what evil is, you wouldn't be able to know what good is. If you don't have nothing to compare it to, How do you know good's good, right? It's not good anymore. It just is. So in order for us to be able to know what is good, to know who is good and that he is good, it's necessary for us to have obstacles and trials and stresses and things in our life. But Jesus is above the things of our life. And so this week, we're going to focus on a movie that's coming out this Friday. And a lot of you think that it's called the Dwayne Johnson shows my biceps all through the movie show movie. And that's not what it's called. Okay. For you ladies out there, he's actually playing a character in the movie. He's not just up there going, Oh, I live in Greece and look at my awesome. No, that's not what he's saying. He is Hercules, right? The movie Hercules is coming out and Dwayne Johnson's going to be playing him. So ladies, make sure you pay attention to the story. Um, when you go to watch the movie. Okay. I know he's pretty hot and Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm going to move on. So, but, okay, the movie plot, though, is we find Hercules. Now, Hercules is a demigod in Greek mythology, okay? And um, he's lived in 14, between 1400 and 1200 B.C., all right, uh, is, is how the myth goes, all right? Now, his, his legendary status is for two reasons. Number one, because he's supposedly half man and half God. He's supposedly the son of Zeus and he's half man and half God in Greek mythology. Okay. But also because he went, um, through these 12 conquests, these 12 journeys that he went through in his life called the 12 labors. And each one he went through was a conquest that added legendary status to him, not only as a man, but as a son of a God as well. So in the movie, it takes place after this post 12 labors legendary status. Okay. And what's happened to him is he's up here on top of the world and everybody knows him as Zeus, the man, the myth and the legend. Okay. And he is, he has went through all of these conquests. Everybody is speaking about the, his legends and he's very popular. And then during this time, now what's begin to happen is unintentionally he has allowed sins from his past to creep into his life and to transition him from being the legend into being a man who is just a mercenary. And he has five companions in the movie. And what they do is they go and they sell themselves to the highest bidder. We will conquer people. We will destroy your enemies for gold and for money. That's what they're doing it for. 
And he's found himself in this situation where he sells his services and then he uses his legendary status to intimidate these enemies of these people that have hired him. All right. And in the movie, he comes across a king and his daughter in a town, uh, uh, a town called Thrace, which is I don't think that's how you pronounce it. I'm probably wrong, um, which which is has an evil warlord that's coming against him. And basically, the plot of the movie is, is how Hercules decide, determines that he needs to step up and become the hero that he once was. And the only way to do that is to become the man that the legends were all about and to actually become Hercules again. Not this post-false version of himself, but he needs to go back to who he was originally that made him a legend in the first place. So today, what I'm going to do to help us out today is is we're going to learn from this story, from a biblical story that is similar to this as well. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles or your Bible apps or whatever you have imprinted in your arm or whatever it is, Judges chapter 13, um, excuse me, Judges chapter 16, verses 28 through 29. I'm going to read out of the NS, um, the ESV version this morning, the English Standard Version. But before we do, while you're turning there to Judges chapter 16, verses 28 through 29, let me just give you a short summary of the story of Samson, okay? Samson is who we're going to talk about. He's a very popular story in the Bible, kid's story. All of us know the story of Samson. He's supernatural strength in God. Um, but just in case you don't know the story, let me give you a quick rundown. It starts in Judges chapter 13, and Samson is called to be the judge of Israel at this time. And what takes place happens between Judges chapter 13 to Judges chapter 16. And an angel comes down and talks to his parents, and his parents vow to give him over to God, to let him live his life for God, okay? And the angel says that he is going to be set apart. And because of that, his family offers him up and through a Nazarite vow, and a Nazarite vow is just a vow that they made in, uh, in the Old Testament days to say that this man has been set apart for God. That when people see him, they see this is God's man. He, this is God's dude right here. He, he has got the favor on him. And so the Nazarite vow was a vow that they would make for a specific amount of time. But Samson, because he was dedicated to the Lord because of the angel coming down and announcing his birth. Okay. When he was dedicated to the Lord, it was for lifetime. Okay, and so from his birth, he was a Nazarite. And the three distinguishing factors that that set apart a Nazarite in this vow was number one, you don't cut your hair. Okay, you, you let your hair grow out, and you guys know that Samson's strength was found in his hair. It was because of his hair. But the other thing too is he did not touch alcohol at all whatsoever. And then the last one it was. The last one was that he didn't touch anything unclean or anything dead whatsoever, okay? So those are the three things that set him apart. Now, Samson had, uh, he reigned for 20 years during these three chapters as a judge, okay? And you guys know that he had some uh, good uh, things that, that happened to him, uh, some miraculous things that he did with his strength, like he slayed a thousand Philistines with a don the jawbone of a donkey. But the thing that everyone knows about him is his fall. Right. He was set apart and he fell. He fell because of this wretched, evil woman. No, it was all her fault. No, this he fell because of this woman named Delilah, this prostitute. Right. And uh, this story is about how if you mix a, if you mix your life with women whatsoever, they're just going to tear you down. They're evil. 
Oh, wait, that's not the story. Excuse me. I'm sorry. That's not how it goes at all. No. But, okay, everybody knows that because of Delilah that she tricks him into giving up his secret behind his strength. And so while he's asleep, she has his hair cut. And then what happens in the, at the end of chapter 16 is when the Philistines come in to take him after his hair's been cut, and you guys know the story, most of you know the story, um, he jumps up and he expects God to be right there and that strength to be there that he's always counted on, but he doesn't realize that God left him. And once he does, it's too late, and he's had a fall. He was supposed to be the man of God, but he had a fall, okay? And the sins of his past have now caught up with him and shown up, okay? And because he made stupid decisions, he finds himself in a place where the very men that he was accustomed to beating and defeating now come and they take him, and they take him back to Gaza in their land, okay? And they gouge out his eyes and put him in prison, all right? And this is where we find Samson. We pick it up right here, all right? In in, uh, chapter 16, verse 28 uh, through 29, Samson has been brought out from the prison, and they're in this coliseum. The Philistines are in this coliseum, and they're having this party. And they're getting sloshed and drunk and tore up, okay? And they're, uh, you know, girls gone wild. No, okay, they're not doing that. But they're having this party. They probably are, yeah. And they're having this party to their god, Dagon, okay? And they're thanking Dagon for bringing down their enemy, Samson. And so they're all partying. All of the leaders and officials are in this coliseum. And they decide to get Samson out and bring him out. And they're going to taunt him and toy with him. And he comes out with his eyes all gouged up and tore up. And they bring him up. And he tells the guy that brought him out, hey, I can't stand up. Can you just let me lean up against this pillar right here for just a second and to get my rest? And then this is where we pick it up. Then Samson, in verse 28, if you've got it, look with me right here. He says this. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. And that was, I actually told you that was verses 28 and 29. That was all the way to 30, actually. I apologize for that. Now, what I want to point out to you here is one thing. If you don't get anything else, then I want you to walk away with this right here, okay? When you turn back to God, he is right there waiting for you. Whenever you make the decision... Whether you're at your lowest of lows or you just came out of a mistake that you just made or anywhere in between, when you make the decision to turn back to God, he will always be right there waiting for you. Samson found himself in the lowest of lows and he forgot who he was. And as he comes in and realizes that this is who I'm actually supposed to be, not this version of myself, this messed up version of myself, he realized that in all of this that's been going on with him, through him being imprisoned and captured and his eyes being gouged out, he realizes that all he had to do was stop and say these words, Oh God, remember me. That's all he prayed. And because of it, he turned back to God and God was right there waiting for him and answered his prayer. The re- Notice he said, strengthen me one more time. Okay. Now, there's a lot of people who have heard this story and they ask, did Samson commit suicide right here? He did not commit suicide. 
Okay, he's like a general that is going into battle and he is going to defeat the enemy. And he knows that the only way to do that is he's going to lose his life in the process. His prayer was, oh, God, remember me. And I want to I, I want to know, do you understand that prayer this morning? That prayer means that, Lord, I belong to you in the beginning, Lord, and I wandered away. I made some stupid mistakes. I messed up. I blew it. Lord, I deserve everything that happened to me. How many times when you have committed your life to Christ, okay, as a believer in him, and then you mess up, how many times do you blame God for your mess up? Or, God, why are you holding that against me? I live in a world where people get second chances, and you really don't hold that. That's not really that big of a deal. And we try to take the blame off of ourselves. But if you'll turn to him and say, God, I blew it. I know that I messed up. If you'll turn to him and say that, he will be right there waiting for you. Samson now looks up to the heavens and these guys are wondering what he's doing. And he says, God, if you'll strengthen me one more time and you guys know what begins to happen. He begins to push. Everything begins to crack. Everything begins to shake. It all starts coming down. You hear the terror and the screams as all of the thousands of people in the Colosseum are beginning to see everything come crumbling above them. And God answers his prayer and he takes out 3,000 people at one time. And there in the midst of all of those is the dead body of Samson. I want to ask you this question before we close out in prayer simple but significant question how far can a person go before god will not deal with them anymore how far can a person go before god gives up on them and won't deal with them anymore how far can you go we know the right answer up here but we don't live it here if you get drunk how far can you go Before God will give up on you. If you're sleeping around on your spouse or out of wedlock, how far is too far before God will give up on you? If you're stealing money or if you kill somebody or if you're cheating or if you commit adultery, how far is too far? If you've had an abortion and you won't forgive yourself, how far is too far? How far can you go before God will give up on you? Can I tell you the answer to that question today? The answer is, I don't know. And neither do you. The answer is, none of us know, because no one has ever went far enough to find out. There is nothing that you have ever done that has ever put you in a place that is so far away from God, that is so deep in junk and crap and filth and dirt in your life that you can't, that you've escaped God and he has given up on you. The Bible says in Ephesians in chapter three in verses 14 through 19, that Paul is talking to the people in Ephesus. And he said, he's talking to them about the love of Christ and about salvation, the salvation that they've received. And when he thinks about it, he says this in verse 14, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength throughout his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And then in verse 18, he says this, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep 
his love is for you. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I want you to know that the hero of the story today is not Hercules. The hero is not Samson. The hero is God. This story is about the grace of God. Notice that he asked the prayer before he ever pushed the pillars over. And we hear this story and we're like, Samson regained his strength. And it was Samson, look at what he did. No, he did nothing. All he did was turn back to God and God stepped in and God was the one that had the strength that pushed those pillars over. And God was the one that answered his prayer and had the strength for that Colosseum to come tumbling down and to do exactly what he asked him to do. It was a story of grace. It was letting Samson know with your dying breath, I want you to know that you have not messed up enough that you can't turn back to me. And I want you to know today that God is the hero of your story too. And he's telling you, I want you to come to me just as you are. That it is okay to show up with all of the doubts and the uncertainties. A lot of you guys, the crap that you've got in your life that you're not giving up to God and submitting to him is not sin as much as it is doubt. As much as it is worry. God, I know I shouldn't worry, but I just can't help myself. Yes, you can. You can come to him. And that's what he's saying. You don't have anything to do with this in the first place. The reason that you can't go far enough to escape from me is because it's always been about me and it always will be about me and my grace. My grace is on display when you are at your weakest. I get to show up at my strongest. There is nothing that you have done. There is no uncertainty or no doubt that you have that brings you to a point that you can't say, Turn back to God and say, God, here I am. And he will reveal to you, I've been right here waiting on you all along. So we're going to do this this morning as we've got a house of believers with us this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to pray this simple prayer. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to pray with me as we pray this prayer. Lord, I turn back to you. Reveal to me that you are right here waiting on me all along. Heavenly Father, I like this story because it reminds people like me who have blown it before big time in my past. It reminds me that no matter how many skeletons I got in my closet, if the whole thing is full of skeletons, Lord, no matter how many times I've blown it, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you will wait forever for me to turn and come back to you and say, Lord, give me another chance. And you will reveal to me that you have been right there waiting for me. God, today I just ask that each and every one of us, whether we have sin in our lives that is distracting us from living a life in you, God, whether we have busyness in our lives that is keeping us from focusing on you, Lord, whether we have uncertainties or doubts, Lord, whether we have things that we know in our heart, but God, we need to be reminded of them today, like spending some time with you each and every day, God, whatever it may be for each and every person that's in this room today, Lord, whatever it is that's in their heart that is keeping them from turning back to you and saying this simple prayer, oh God, remember me. Lord, whatever it is, I ask that they would lay it down at your feet this morning 
and God, that they would turn to you and they would see that you are right there waiting for them. And God, I just ask that you would be the answer that they need, that you would lift them up, that you would give them the confidence in knowing that if they will live for you, God, you will live every moment of your existence for them because you love them. God, we love you and we honor you and we thank you what you're doing here at Destination Church and all of the great things that we are expecting you to do and praying for you to do, not only in us, but through the people that you're bringing this way in the months to come and through our launch. We love you and honor you, and it's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen.